0: <laughs> uh, so last time we had started speaking about uh, Surah قريش. So Allah سبحانه وتعالى He says: عَبُدُ اللَّهِ مِن شِيطَانٍ قُرَيْشِ رِحْلَة وَالصَّيْفِ فَالْيَعْبُدُ <laughs> رَبَّهَاذِ الْبَيْتِ الَّذِي يَتَعْمَهُ مِنْ جُوعٍ مِنْ خَوْفٍ. He did this to make the Quraysh feel secure, secure in their winter and summer journeys. So let them worship the Lord of this house, who provides them with food to ward off hunger, safety, to ward off fear. And last time we had left off in discussion of why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses this word ilaf. And there are, it turns out there are actually a couple of reasons for them. The word ilaf actually means to wrap from both ends, to actually take something... And to wrap it around and uh, bring it, bring both of the ends together. So it's very interesting how Allah subhanahu wa taala he uses that to describe their journey. So when we think of something being wrapped from both ends, we think of it being as being what? Completely covered, covered right? So it's something that's completely covered and something that is completely uh, enveloped. And this is the image that Allah subhanahu wa taala is portraying for Quraysh to show them that they're. Their wrapping and their security and their sanctity is complete from both ends, both uh, yeah from both ends. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala He addresses them as Quraysh. Why were they known as Quraysh? Anybody know? I'm sorry. Is uh, Fahra. Yeah. So. His his name was Fahad Fahar is actually the founder of like it, the tribe actually came from him. They're from Banu Kinana. Now Kinana is the mm-hmm. is the larger tribe. They be, they came to be known as Quraysh because of this individual. Um, so his name was Fahad ibn Malik ibn Nadr ibn Kinana. So Kinana was the larger tribe, and then it started splitting from from Fahad. Uh, Qarsh, which is the root word of Quraysh, it actually comes from a, it's a type of powerful fish, and it was one of the fish that the Arabs used to describe, and from the description that I read, it sounds like it could be some type of shark, or some type of uh, killer whale, but it was a predatory fish, so, and this fish was actually known to attack whales, which were very large fish, in boats, and and this is where the word Qarsh comes from, so Quraysh is, this is called Ism al-Tasqir, it's actually to make it small, so it's like saying like a small shark, or um, a, a small killer whale, and the reason that uh, the the Arabs use to slave sometimes is to show a love for something, or to show that uh, this th- it's like a, like a like a cub. You know, like when you call somebody like a lion cub, or you call somebody like that. I'm sorry, right? You know, it's a, well not for majesty so much, um, but it is definitely used as a way to um, to to raise that person up, or as a way to honor to honor him. And uh, there is a difference of opinion on whether it was actually Fahar or if it was somebody who was earlier in the, um, in the lineage who is was Nadr, which is his grandfather. So there's a difference of opinion on whether it is Fahar or if it is Nadr on why this Quraysh comes from. So it's actually very interesting to find out that the entire name of the tribe was a nickname. It's not the actual name of an individual, but it's because of the nickname and Quraysh uh, came to be known after that. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says that secure in their winter and summer journeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He again mentions this security He again mentions this envelopment Even though that He had just mentioned it previously In the previous ayah and, and then the reason that He does this Is because now He's giving a specific example Of how it is that He gave them this protection So what is the specific example that He gives here? Where's the protection that He's talking about here? Uh, He says, "Rihla Tashita'i was, slave. which are what? Uh, Not the ports per se, but the actual journeys, right? So the actual journey. There was a there was a summer journey, and there was a a winter journey. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He describes them as a rihla. Rihla is only used in the Arabic language if you're talking about a journey that is very far." Uh, It's not used for short journeys. Uh, Even a camel is called a rahila uh, because of the long distances that it uh, goes across. Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. He also specifies these journeys to particular times to show the extent of safety in those times. So when Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "You know, he's showing that the safety is for the entirety of the winter and for the entirety. And the end of the ayah was slave for the entirety of the summer. So in the winter. They, there were three main places that they would go to in the winter which was and they would go south obviously because uh, the winter so it's cooler months what were those places or what are some of those fam- what are the, some of the famous places in the peninsula today that we would imagine the uh, the Arabs going to yeah. in the south, south. Yemen. in Yemen okay Yemen is one where did the, where was the first hijrah of the Muslims where was the first migration Khamesha <laughs> Habasha. This was the second, and the third one was Himyar. Now Himyar is uh, it's a city in modern day Yemen, but the the actual kingdom was separate from Yemen. So you had you had three kingdoms basically in the south. You had Yemen, you had Himyar, which was next to it, and then across the sea was habsha which was uh, which is what modern what we call modern day Ethiopia, but it's most of the Horn. So most of the Horn, and uh, if any of you have ever uh, dealt with or met like Somalis and Eritreans, you'll find that the complexion-wise, uh, they're very different, their hair is very different, they're, they're not like the rest of the Africans. And, and a lot of that has to do because of the trade and the intermixing and the marrying between the Yemenis and them. So the, they became very mixed people, so you'll find especially the Eritreans, uh, the Ethiopians and uh, I think there was another country there. But the Eritreans and the Ethiopians, for sure, they're very different. They're very different from the rest of uh, the surrounding Africans. And the Somalis, they're, they're also very different uh, from them. So that was the winter journey. In the summer journey, they would go north. And where would they travel to in the north? Yeah. I'm sorry? Yeah. To to, to Alright, so they would go to Sham. So what was actually interesting, because I was looking, where was it exactly that they traveled? And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about, okay, where did these journeys actually start? What was it that inspired the Arabs to go north, and what was it that inspired the Arabs to go south? Because we said, you know, they're generally Bedouins, and their life revolved around what? Not, not trade per se, but tried generally, their lives generally revolved around water, right? So wherever they found water, that's, that's where they would go. They wouldn't really expand much beyond that. So they would, they would find a territory, there would be a few wells, they would keep guard of those wells, they would keep trying to build up their military, and then they would try to attack other people's wells and they would defend theirs. And this is basically the extent of what the Arabs were, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Quraysh tawfiq for these journeys where they would travel north and south. And these journeys, they, st- they started with an individual known as Hashem Ibn Abd al And basically what would happen during the, uh, the early days before these journeys started is that uh, people from Quraysh and the surrounding tribes, if a family ran out of food, if a family ran out of food and, and they were going to die, what the head of the household would do, he would take the entire family and he would go to a place and it was Maruf, uh, this place, uh, and he would do something what, is, what was used to be called Al-Iqtifaq. Now, الاتفار was when the head of the house, he would take his family, he would go out to the middle of this, of this desert area, and everybody knew. They would go to this place to do this because they had given up now. They had given up on their lives, they had given up on their families, so the whole family would go out, they would, they would pitch a tent, and then they, they would just die of hunger. And this, this had started to become a tradition now. This had started to become a tradition amongst some of the Arab. So Hashem, one of his stepson's, was part of uh, this, this tribe that was planning on do this, doing this a'tifa. So he had a stepson. There was, His son was caring for one somebody of that tribe and he heard that, okay, this family is now intending to do a'tifa because they've, they've lost all their wealth and they've lost all their goods. So they're not able to feed themselves. So they've decided now to go out to this place and, and do this a'tifa. So he, he heard about this and he called the Quraysh. He gathered the Quraysh together and he said to them, he said, listen, this action that you started it lessens you and it increases the surrounding Arabs. It lowers you and it gives them honor. You are the custodian of Allah's sanctuary. And you are the custodians of the Kaaba. The people follow you. So I'm going to ask you what if this i'tifar happens to you one day? And in very strong words, and a very strong, very convincing uh, statement that he had made here. So the Quraysh, they agreed. They said, okay, what, what do we do about it then? What do, what do you suggest? Because we can't, we can't just start taking in all of the poor. That will weaken us even further. So Hashem, he came up with an idea. He him, he him and his brothers got together and he got the individuals who were the heads of these households now who had intended this etipah. And they, they started these journeys where they went north and they went south. So Hashem had three brothers. Hashem had three brothers. And each of them was sent to the different kings. So... One was sent to the, to the king of Sham, and Sham at that time, who Sham is basically where, what we have modern day Palestine, uh, Israel, Jordan, uh, Syria, and parts of Iraq. This is what was known as Sham in those times. So who controlled Sham at that time? before rome because what was happening was there was always a struggle for these for that land specifically in the eastern part the western part was generally under roman control but the western part was always going back and forth between who and who persians. the persians right so the persians and the romans they were always fighting uh, on this on these borders and they're always having skirmishes and even surat rome what was the first ayah <inaudible> rome. and where was the fight what was going on uh, it was between those two places in this area, right, in the same area. So, who had actually happened to be in control at that time was, were the Persians. So, this individual, Nofal, who was Hashem's brother, he decided that he was going to go north and he's going to cut a deal with Qasra, right, with Kisra, and he said, okay, listen, we want to come and we want to sell for you, we want your protection, and we want to deal with some of the goods. He agreed. Uh, Najashi actually dealt with Abd who was Man- uh, Hashem's other brother. And the last one, of Yemen, the king of Yemen, which was the largest province at the time, uh, Muttalib, which was the last brother of Hashim, he dealt with him. So they had these trade agreements now with those in the north and trade agreements with those in the south. So it made, made it easy for them um, to, to do this. These journeys, they continued into Islam. They continued into Islam. And once Islam came and it was established, these journeys stopped. Why? The Muslims didn't need to trade? Right, they took over because they, they actually took over these places. I'm sorry? The welfare system? Uh, not necessarily the welfare system. Like, and, like the economic system that Islam came with, we can talk about another time, inshallah. But basically, what had happened, this was meant to be a way to empower the poor. And, and we'll talk about what happened to these individuals who actually went on these journeys. But when Islam came, what was happening is that this, this safety and this sanctity, it stopped. So, the, it's not like the Quraysh could travel north anymore. Um, and even the first battle that happened, the Battle of Badr in, in Islam, what was it over? What were they fighting over? Uh, nobody knows what, why Badr happened. Uh, the the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the caravan. Where was it coming from? Shab- uh, it was coming from Sham. So this security and safety that was promised for the Quraysh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He put a condition on it. He said, we will continue to give you security and safety until, unless you what? You stop worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and this is a promise that was made to them. They did not fulfill that promise. And the Qurayshis that did fulfill this promise, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them that safety. So who are the Qurayshis that fulfill this promise? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He was speaking to Quraysh in this surah. So if we look at the Qurayshis that were being spoken to, you had two parties who were being spoken to. Those that disobeyed them, like Abu Lahab, Abu Jahad, all of these individuals, the heads of Quraysh, they were killed. And the ones who obeyed and who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what happened to them? Ah, The first four khulafa, where were they from? They're from Quraysh? Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He gave them Izzah He gave them honor He gave them respect He gave them position Why? Because they're Quraysh No yeah. because, because, because what? They worship huh? because, because they worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So just look at this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And that's one of the amazing things In this, in, in this surah That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He addresses the Quraysh And He's showing them Because you're Quraysh This is not going to save you this, the fact that you have this blood the fact that you have this lineage this is not the thing that is going to protect you what is the thing that is going to protect you and give you sanctuary and give you protection yeah. worshipping Allah subhanahu yeah. wa ta'ala very simply and, and we can look at that we, we see that dynamic because we have to understand Surah Quraish where was it revealed? we talked about it last time it was a Mecchi a vast majority of the Mufassirin. There's only two, one or two who said it was revealed in Medina, but a vast majority of the Mufassirin, they said it, it was revealed in in Makkah. And you have to understand, and it was revealed relatively early. You know, are talking about within the first few years of revelation, it was revealed. And, and so just imagine this Qurayshi, and, and you know, we had mentioned this last time too, This this Qurayshi, and he's hearing Surah Quraysh. What is going on in his mind? He's like, so, ba- so basically you're telling me, you, Ya Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this handful of followers and you guys need to hide and you need to meet you're telling us that we're going to lose all the safety and security we've had for generations now? So he, he couldn't even imagine, you know, this, the, imagine the, the mindset of this Qurayshi he can't even imagine that one day is going to come within seven, eight years you know, you're talking about Badr, it happened seven, eight years later With, within a decade they lost all of that safety, they lost all that protection, they lost this trade within that time span because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this promise to them um, so and, so, this verse When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He says it safe, It's meant to be a reminder To Quraysh Of the blessing That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Had bestowed on them And some of the blessings That he Azza Had bestowed on them Were these two journeys Another that he bestowed on them Was the Kaaba itself And how he made them Custodians of the Kaaba To care for it So the other Arabs They respected them for that They took care of the Hajj which was a lot of trade, a lot of things coming in. The surrounding Arab uh, people would come to them. They had status amongst the Arabs. All of the Arabs recognized them. All of the Arabs respected them. Um, and because of their unique position and because of these two journeys that were started, a lot of goods would come now to Mecca. So when people would come for Hajj, they would come for two reasons. They would come to fulfill this religious right and they would come for, for trade. Because instead of going north, and instead of going south, where would they? Where could they go? They could, they could the go country straight country. to Makkah, and it'll be safe, yes. right? For tourism like they do today. huh? <laughs> why did? I mean, I, I, yeah. I it. Why did the, why did the uh, journey mm-hmm. stop? Stop at Uh Because Islam expanded to those territories, and they just ended up taking them over. That's why yeah, yeah, we, we took it over. That's, that, <laughs> that, that was, that's the basic of it. But e- even before that, the, the safety also stopped too once Islam came. Because the Muslims started attacking the caravans. So once they started attacking the caravans, the need was there. The empire expanded within, within a few years. Yeah, so you're talking about at, at the death of the Prophet his his goal toward his death was the conquest of Makkah. And once the conquest was fulfilled, he did his final Hajj. He, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he passed away. His message was complete. Uh, by the end of the Khilafah of Umar, the empire expanded. It, it encompassed parts of Rome, the Roman Empire. The, uh, the Persian Empire had fallen by that point. The southern empires were, had fallen also. And there was an agreement now with the Habishi, with the Ethiopians. So they hadn't gone to war with the This was the only empire that they didn't go to war with they actually had an agreement with them and they maintain ties with them. But all of the northern empires had fallen. The southern empire, they started paying the jizya. So the, like the, the people of Najran and the Christians of Najran, they started paying jizya and the empire had expanded at that point. So the, tr- the trade was now within the state. You weren't trading between other people. The trade still happened, but these journeys stopped. It is, does that clarify a little bit? So the journeys stopped, but the trade still continued under the, under the Islamic State. So the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, بيت, So let them worship the Lord of this house. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He uses the word rub here. He says, He doesn't say, And this is something that's very unique, something that's very interesting. And it's very important to always uh, notice when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how He addresses Himself in the Qur'an. It's very important to point this out and it's very important to see it because there's always an intended meaning behind the use of certain names and the use of certain characteristics and a meaning behind that that we as the reader, we as the onlooker, we as the ones who recite it to understand and to ponder over why would it be that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would use this instead of Rab. So some of the reasons that the Mufassirin mentioned is that if you said فَلْيَعْبُدُ They would say what? They say we do, right? They say we do accept Allah, we do worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but we also worship something along with Him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He's singling, when He attaches Himself to this bait, number one, what is the bait? What is the house that is being spoken about here? Ka'bah. The Kaaba, very clearly, very simply. And you know, if you look in the context, it is the Kaaba that is being spoken about. And what is happening at the Kaaba at this time, during, at the time of revelation? there are a lot of other idols there are a lot of other beings and deities that are being worshipped at that time but the lord of this house how many are there even they, even they recognize that so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying this house and the reason why mention the Kaaba. what is the significance of mentioning the Kaaba here okay, it's a place of pilgrimage there's no doubt about that what else because think of the context of the surah think of the context of the surah the surah is talking about who? Quraysh so what is the relationship of the Kaaba to Quraysh? they're the custodians and this is another way very subtly that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding them of what? the blessing that he has given them in taking care of the Kaaba and taking care of the So if, if you look at the different ayat and you look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the different ways that he's bringing and how he's, some, some ways he's openly telling them, this is a blessing that I've given you. And in this ayat, he has subtly told them that this is a blessing I have bestowed upon you because along with this bait, not only do you are you custodians of the Kaaba, but you're also custodians of the Hajj and you take care of the Hujjaj when they come. The other Arabs, they respect you because you are the ones that take care of this house. And inshallah, next week we we will uh, will expand a little bit more on this and how the use of the rub here is more uh, is more appropriate instead of saying wa <laughs> Any questions related to what we discussed today? No. Plus, I will see you guys next time, inshallah.